0: Greetings, friends and fellow travelers on this one-year Bible tour. Today is November 23rd, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. I'm your host, David McAdam, and I am delighted to have you along for our journey through all 66 books of the Bible as we go further into our exploration of Ezekiel's vision of a future place of worship and all that is represented there. And in the New Testament, we will continue reading the words of the fisherman turned shepherd, the Apostle Peter as he encourages the flock with his first epistle. For those of our listening audience in other nations, today in the United States, many folks will be traveling to be with loved ones to celebrate an American holiday tomorrow called Thanksgiving, a holiday set apart to thank Almighty God for the many blessings He has lavished upon us. We are to humble ourselves and recognize to whom we should be most grateful and we are most grateful for the mercy we have received in the saving work of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior what a mighty God we serve today we are on the road traveling with family in Eastern Oregon and Idaho celebrating our grandson Simon's birthday one of my hopes is that this podcast will encourage all of our listeners no matter where they are what they're doing how busy they may get to develop a habit of fitting into their schedule a time set apart for receiving a daily input of not just sound bites from the Word of the Lord, but a living relationship with the Lord of the Word. We need to gain true discernment by recognizing God's full thought as we read each passage in its given context. We don't want to twist His words to fit our preconceived ideas, but have our minds renewed and our lives progressively transformed. We don't want to have our vision so obscured by the trees that we cannot see the forest, We need to keep the big picture, the meta-narrative, the overarching story of the gospel in view. That is, the good news of who God is, what he has done, is doing, and has promised for the future. So even if you're on the road traveling as we are today, we encourage you to take time to read God's word, to think with God's thoughts, so your attitudes and actions can be more fully conformed to his, and that you will experience Christ as the way, the truth, and the life that you were created for. Now let's go to our Old Testament passage in the book of Ezekiel. God is spirit and is to be worshiped in spirit and truth. In the temple structure and sacrifices, the truth of what is involved in worship is symbolically spelled out. We may not understand all of it now, but we recognize that God is holy and has made Himself known through the person of His Son, the second person of the Trinity, who is fully God and fully man, and fully qualified to be the provision whereby we who are once rebels to his will can be reconciled to our true purpose as a kingdom of priests isaiah chapter 45 verse 13 is where we are starting off today and i hope you'll join me there isaiah 45 verse 13 and i'm reading from the english standard version this is the offering that you shall make one sixth of an ephah from each homer of wheat and one-sixth of an ephah from each homer of barley, and as the fixed portion of oil, measured in baths, one-tenth of a bath from each core, the core, like the homer, contains ten baths, and one sheep from every flock of two hundred, from the watering places of Israel for grain offering, burnt offering, and peace offerings, to make atonement for them, declares the Lord God. All the people of the land, shall be obliged to, to give this offering to the prince in Israel. It shall be the prince's duty to furnish the burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings at the feasts, the new moons, and the sabbaths, all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel. He shall provide the sin offerings, grain offerings, burnt offerings, and peace offerings, to make atonement on behalf of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, in the first month on the first day of the month, you shall take a bull from the herd without blemish, and purify the sanctuary. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering, and put it on the doorposts of the temple, the four corners of the ledge of the altar, and the posts of the gate of the inner court. You shall do the same on the seventh day of the month for anyone who has sinned through error or ignorance. So you shall make atonement for the temple. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, you shall celebrate the feast of the Passover, and for seven days unleavened bread shall be eaten. On that day the prince shall provide for himself and all the people of the land a young bull for a sin offering, and on the seven days of the festival he shall provide as a burnt offering to the Lord seven young bulls and seven rams without blemish, on each of the seven days, and a male goat daily for a sin offering, and he shall provide as a grain offering an ephah for each bull, an ephah for each ram, and a hen of oil to each ephah. In the seventh month, on the fifteenth day of the month, and for the seven days of the feast, he shall make the same provision for sin offerings, burnt offerings, and grain offerings, and for the oil. Chapter 46. The Prince and the Feasts. Thus says the Lord God, The gate of the inner court that faces east shall be shut on the six working days, but on the Sabbath day it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter by the vestibule of the gate from outside, and shall take his stand by the post of the gate. The priest shall offer his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out but the gate shall not be shut until evening. The people of the land shall bow down at the entrance of that gate before the Lord on the Sabbaths and on the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering with the ram shall be an ephah, and the grain offering with the lambs shall be as much as he is able, together with a hin of oil, to each ephah. On the day of the new moon he shall offer a bull from the herd without blemish, and six lambs and a ram, which shall be without blemish. As a grain offering he shall provide an ephah with the bull, and an ephah with the ram, and with the lambs as much as he is able, together with a hin of oil, to each ephah. When the prince enters he shall enter by the vestibule of the gate, and he shall go out by the same way. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feasts, he who enters by the north gate to worship shall go out by the south gate, and he who enters by the south gate shall go out by the north gate. No one shall return by way of the gate by which he entered, but each shall go out straight ahead. When they enter, the prince shall enter with them, and when they go out, he shall go out at the feasts and the appointed festivals the grain offering with a young bull shall be an ephah and with a ram an ephah and with the lambs as much as one is able to give together with a hin of oil to an ephah when the prince provides a freewill offering either a burnt offering or peace offerings as a freewill offering to the lord the gate facing east shall be opened for him and he shall offer his burnt offering or his peace offerings as he does on the sabbath day then he shall go out and after he has gone out the gate shall be shut. You shall provide a lamb a year old without blemish for a burnt offering to the Lord daily. Morning by morning you shall provide it, and you shall provide a grain offering with it morning by morning, one-sixth of an ephah and one-third of a hen of oil to moisten the flour as a grain offering to the Lord. This is a perpetual statute. Thus the lamb and the meal offering and the oil shall be provided morning by morning for a regular burnt offering. Thus says the Lord God, If the prince makes a gift to any of his sons as his inheritance, it shall belong to his sons. It is their property by inheritance. But if he makes a gift out of his inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be his to the year of liberty. Then it shall revert to the prince surely it is his inheritance it shall belong to his sons the prince shall not take any of the inheritance of the people thrusting them out of their property he shall give his sons their inheritance out of his own property so that none of my people shall be scattered from his property then he brought me through the entrance which is at the side of the gate to the north row of the holy chambers for the priests and behold a place was there at the extreme western end of them And he said to me this is the place where the priests shall boil the guilt offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the grain offering in order not to bring them out into the outer court and so transmit holiness to the people Mm -hmm. then he brought me out to the outer court and led me around to the four corners of the court and behold in each corner of the court there was another court in the four corners of the court were small courts forty cubits long and thirty broad The four were of the same size. On the inside, around each of the four courts, was a row of masonry, with hearths made at the bottom of the rows all around. Then he said to me, These are the kitchens where those who minister at the temple shall boil the sacrifices of the people. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament portion today from the book of Ezekiel. Let's start by looking at this passage in its face value. The operation of the temple will be provided through the offerings of the people given to the prince. This is similar to the provisions of the sanctuary shekels in Exodus chapter 30, verses 11-16, through 16, and not the same as the tithe. One-sixth of all grain and one percent of oil and one of every two hundred animals shall be given to supply the offerings for the new moon, new month celebrations, the sabbaths, all feast days and festivals that take place at the temple. Every human being needs cleansing from all sin and the forgiveness of God. They need the assurance of God's acceptance that comes through repentance of sin and faith in the Messiah. They need the once and for all sacrifice that Jesus provided on the cross. These needs are reflected in the ceremonies Ezekiel sees performed in his temple vision. Ezekiel chapter 45 verses 18 through 25 describes the regulations for observing the feasts of Israel. First, there is the purification of the temple on the first day of the first month. The same ceremony is repeated on the seventh day, the Sabbath, for every one who goes astray or is naive, or as some translations put it, who sins unintentionally or through ignorance. In verse 20, the Prince is also responsible for the faithful observance of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the daily offerings in verse 23, and the seven-day feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus chapter 23 verses 33 through 36, Numbers chapter 29 verses 12 through 38. These feasts were to celebrate the redemptive work of the Messiah. It is interesting that of the seven feasts of Israel, only the Passover in chapter 45 verses 21 through 24 and Tabernacles are mentioned in relationship to Ezekiel's vision of the temple. Chapter forty five, verse twenty five, and Zechariah, chapter fourteen, verses sixteen through nineteen. Jesus implies that we will be remembering his sacrifice with the breaking of bread and taking of the cup in the kingdom age. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Matthew, chapter twenty six, verse twenty nine. Chapter forty six lists the regulations for the Sabbath. Because the prince is not a priest, he will not enter the inner court, but he will carry out his ministry at the east gate to the inner court while the people are just outside the gate in the outer court. The prince appears to be in a mediatorial role between the people in the outer court and the priests in the inner court. Elements of the Old Covenant are remembered as the redemptive work is celebrated through these commemorative feasts. Notice that there is always a flow of people into the court. They must never go out the same way they came in. May this be true of our experience every time we gather for worship. But when the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feasts, he who enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate, and he who enters by way of the south gate shall go out by way of the north gate. No one shall return by way of the gate by which he entered but shall go straight out. Ezekiel 46 verse 9. The prince would meet with the worshippers as they entered. Inheritance and property rights were very important to the Israelites. All property was to be returned to the original owner or the family of the original owner on the year of Jubilee. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 10, this will apply to lands given by the prince to his servants yet that which is given by the prince to his sons shall remain with them forever. This brings to mind Galatians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. In Christ we have an unrevocable inheritance. Ezekiel gets a tour of the kitchen in chapter 46, verse 19 through 24. The priests must prepare the offerings for the people away from the people, for they are wholly separate offerings. Now let's move on to today's portion from the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, and we will read through to chapter 2, verse 10. These are Peter's words to the New Testament believer-priests Through the living and abiding word of god for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever and this word is the good news that was preached to you chapter two a living stone and a holy people so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy but now you have received mercy." And this concludes our reading from today's New Testament portion from Peter's First Epistle. What do we learn here? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, then you will not have an appetite for anything else but what is of Him. If you have tasted the truth, you will want to dismiss all lies, hypocrisy, and slander. If you have tasted God's love, you will put aside all malice, envy, and deceit. If you have personally experienced the new birth, then like a newborn babe, you will have an appetite for the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. These are the vital signs of regeneration. We do need to remind one another of this because the habits of our old nature will make a bid to compete with the desires of the new nature. As born-again believers, not only do we hunger for new food, the Word of God, we hunger for fellowship with the people of God. The church is God's building, and the members are living stones. Christ is the cornerstone. Jesus is described as a living stone, a chosen stone, and a precious stone. Peter points out that Jesus fulfills the prophecies of Isaiah 28, verse 16 and Psalm 118, verse 22. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Isaiah 28, verse 16. And then Psalm 118, verse 22 reads, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. The rejection of the Messiah was predicted by the prophets. Because Jesus was not the Messiah the Jewish leaders were expecting, they stumbled over Him. We don't just recognize this in hindsight. Jesus Himself referred to this prophecy when He debated with the Pharisees and Sadducees in Matthew chapter 21 verses 42 through 44. He who was despised and rejected, God has raised from the dead and made the chief cornerstone from which all the building will take its direction and shape. Warren Wiersbe reminds us, quote, "In the Old Testament period, God's people had a priesthood, but today God's people are a priesthood." End quote. We have greater privileges than the priests of Levi or Zadok in that we can continually minister to the Lord and offer spiritual sacrifices such as praise in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15, generosity in Philippians chapter 4 verse 18, service in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17, and 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, and loving deeds in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. We offer our bodies a complete surrender to the Lord in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We offer up the sacrifice of prayer in Psalm 141, verse 2. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. We can minister to the Lord like the priests of Zadok in Ezekiel chapter 45, yet we do this as those who are royal sons of God, being built into a spiritual house. We are actively called into His ministry with the privilege of kings and priests in Revelation chapter 1 verse 6. We offer sacrifices acceptable to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How does this happen? By coming to Him and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Now let's go to the Bible's prayer and song book, the book of Psalms, and we are reading that magnificent Psalm 119, verses 33 through 48, the psalm that celebrates the word of the Lord. We start with verse 33, where the next section all begins with the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the aspirate He. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies, and not to selfish gain turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared turn away the reproach that i dread for your rules are good behold i long for your precepts in your righteousness give me life now for the next eight verses beginning with the hebrew letter wall Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually, for ever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. And this concludes this portion from Psalm 119. Verses 33 through 40 all begin with the fifth Hebrew letter of the alphabet, the Aspirate hay. This letter is associated with God's breath supercharging all he redeems with divine life. This is what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to breathe on our hearts and minds, open our spiritual understanding so we can be taught, so that we can observe the way of his statutes, keep the law in our hearts, and walk with delight in the path of his commandments. Verses 33-35 We need the Holy Spirit to turn our eyes away from beholding vanity so we can say no to ungodliness and dishonest ways of self-promotion. In Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. We need the Holy Spirit to incline our hearts to joyfully obey God's word and reverently long for His precepts, reviving us in righteousness. Verses 41 through 48 all begin with the letter vav or wa. These verses recognize that the knowledge of God's way of salvation comes through putting faith in God's Word, Psalm 119, verses 41 and 42. The psalmist is resolved to be a man of the Word. When we know that because the lawgiver has become the lawkeeper in our hearts, we can walk at liberty, in Psalm 119, verse 45, we can be a bold witness before the rulers of this world, in verse 46. What a heart change to be able to love the Word of God, delight in His commands, lift our hands in the full surrender of obedience to Christ, and to meditate on His statutes. Now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, practical knowledge for our day-to-day living, Proverbs 28, verse 11. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, But a poor man who has understanding will find him out. Discern what truly makes a person wise and wealthy. When we have the mind of Christ, we can see through temporal and material delusions. Now let's pray in the light of what we have just read. O Lord, we are grateful for the solid foundation that our salvation is built upon. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, the cornerstone from whom everything and what you are building finds its direction and shape. Because of what he has done, we are assured that one day we will be communing with you in an eternal kingdom. We come boldly before you, offering spiritual sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving, eager to serve your purposes in our generation. We ask that your sanctifying graces be at work to conform us to the image of the one who redeemed us, In his name we ask it. Amen. Friends, we are so thankful for the grace we have received through our Lord Jesus Christ. And may you have a blessed Thanksgiving, whether you're living in the United States or not. May your days be full of thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, let's start right there. It's to have a thankful heart. And so let's exercise that heart by giving thanks. And I certainly give thanks to God for you and thankful that we can be continuing daily in the Word of God, making discoveries of His grace abounding towards sinners such as ourselves. May God bless you and His peace be with you. Shalom.